listening to The Remix Baby, a podcast about fertility, family, and genetics. I'm Jana Rufnow, a fertility counselor and author of Three Makes Baby. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm here with Cassandra Adams. And Cassandra is donor-conceived. And she she's going to tell us a little bit about your, her story. So Cassandra, welcome, first of all. Thank you. Yeah. And um, I'm glad you reached out to me and, and wanted to, to be you know, be part of this podcast. It's really great to hear from different perspectives. So yes, let's start with your story. Okay. So my story started in this realm, you know, of craziness started uh, two years ago. I took a DNA test as many people are doing now. Um, I took a 23andMe test in um, September of 2017. Um, It was something I'd always wanted to do. I'd always really been interested in in genealogy and family history. And, you know, when when the test first came out, they were very expensive and I was just out of college and, you know, didn't have the money for it. But I found that, you know, as I had gotten older, the tests were a lot cheaper and then a friend of mine actually made me aware that 23andMe was doing a research study and I could get the test done for free, um, Ooh, which was nice. fantastic. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. it was perfect, right? And yeah. so they were doing a research study on um, depression and bipolar disorder. So if you had had um, a family history of either of those, then you know you filled out the survey and you know if you were approved for the study, they, they gave you the test for free. And I have a, you know... Um, I've experienced depression and it, it runs on my, my dad's side of the family. Turns out it also runs on my biological father's side of the family. But um, oh. so I, I take this test and I get my results on September 26th of 2017. And it's, it's you know, the middle of the night. I'm about to go to bed. I check my email one last time before bed and I, I see the results are in. And this is fantastic news. So what I expected was, um, you know, my mother is Italian American. My grandparents are from Italy. Uh, my grandmother was pregnant with my mother when they came from Italy. So my mother was born here. What part of Italy? Uh, Southern Italy, about two hours from Naples. Okay. Yeah. And so, and my dad um, is a, a big American mutt, you know, English, Dutch, Belgian, Irish, French, German, that whole, whole mix, you know? So I was, I was mm-hmm. kind of actually very interested to see what that breakdown was because his family has such a long history in this country. And the first thing I see when I open these results is 49 point something percent Ashkenazi Jewish. Mm-hmm. And so, wow, that's, that's really interesting, you know? And as mm-hmm. I go through the, the breakdown, you know, I see Southern Europe in there and I see like a small percentage French, German and, but there's this, this, this half Jewish thing. So I, you know, I, I messaged my mom. I'm like, mommy, I think we're a little bit Jewish. You know, people had always, mm-hmm. <laughs> people had, my, my, <laughs> my grandfather, you know, had lived in Brooklyn, very much, you know, a lot of camaraderie between the Italians and the Jews there. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. had mistaken him for Jewish many times. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe my Italian family is part Jewish as well and didn't know and Mm -hmm. converted and all these things. So I spend all this time trying to figure it out, you know, and uh, my mom just kind of sends me back the little thumbs up sign, 
you know. Okay. <laughs> Not much else to say. Right, right. She's, 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 she's a night owl as well, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah. So now at this point, were you thinking since you knew your dad's side was more like, as you described, the American mutt? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think, did you, were you thinking, oh, okay, he just didn't know, so that's what it that's what it is or you were thinking it was actually on your mom's side i was thinking my mom's side for some oh, reason interesting. yeah it just yeah. It, it doesn't hit you I, the thing about yeah. these these discoveries is it, it seems so obvious and now that i'm in a lot of genealogy groups sure. and stuff people come in all the time mm -hmm. saying things like this and immediately you think oh my gosh of course your parents not your parent you know but when you're oh, in the midst yeah. of it that's the furthest thing from your mind is that sure. something like yeah. this has occurred. So I was trying to make sense of it for several okay. hours and, you know, going back and forth with, with a couple of friends. One of my very good friends is, is Jewish and she was, you know, posting questions in, in genealogy groups for me and, and trying to figure mm -hmm. this out. And after a few hours, it, it really um, became clear to my friend first um, you know, she, she said to me, um, you know, C Cassandra, like, you know, your, your dad has British ancestry, you know, you're 0% British. Uh, oh. And that was really when it hit me because I, I wasn't so much looking at, at, at that. I was trying to make sense of it within the context of what I knew. Okay. And um, I needed yeah. someone else to be like, this doesn't make sense. Okay. It does not make sense. Mm -hmm. um, and that's often what happens. And so I, yeah. I the next few hours were torture. <laughs> In the middle of mm -hmm. the night, this was like 4 a.m. Um, mm -hmm. And I waited until the morning. Um, I called up 23andMe asking them if there was any possibility that results had been switched or anything like that. Yeah. And they said, no, we have so many safeguards in place at this point. There is no way that your sample was misplaced or switched or anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. And and as I as I looked at these results, it, it really became clear that it was it was it was half Jewish, and that the other half was was consistent with Southern Italy because it was you know how they upgrade the results okay. and stuff. Since then, they've kind of upgraded it to mm -hmm. closer to just fifty percent Italian. But at that point, it was mm -hmm. like still a bit of a smattering of Southern Europe and French and Middle Eastern. And so it was harder to see, but it was, it was really half and half is what I kind of was, was, was dawning on me. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was panic. The panic was setting in. Hmm. What's the first thing that went through your head once you realized that, that there was something going on that wasn't what you had been told growing up? What was your first thought? Mm, what happened? Who your, your body starts to feel, it, it starts to tingle. It starts to feel like foreign. Mm -hmm. It starts to, you mm -hmm. don't know what's going on. It's a big fog. Like a dissociation almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And the other aspect of this was my friend had asked me to look at the matches and there was a half sister match as well. Okay. Um, okay. And, and until it hit me that my, my dad was probably not my dad. I, okay. this half sister match, I was almost thinking, maybe my dad had a child before, you know, before he married my mom or, or something that he, you know, someone he didn't know about. But that again became okay. clear when I, when I saw that this half sister match had, was also 50% Ash Ashkenazi. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, my mom is, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a goody two shoes is, is what I say. <laughs> my mom is major goody two shoes. <laughs> yeah. Major. 
Mm-hmm. So I, I honestly, the thought that, that there was an affair or anything like that was, was something that was not even possible in my mind, you know, and I, and I know since, since I've gotten involved in various groups, you know, a lot of people say that it turns out, but Mm-hmm. We're not as as innocent as they thought, but oh, yeah. <laughs> many people do find they're they're you know they're the product of affairs. But but I knew uh, that 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 was not something that you know she always swore that that was not something that ever happened. So okay. so I, I didn't did she know. tell you? Did did you go to her and start asking questions? And I did. did I did. did she, she get more than actually- a thumbs up. Hopefully. Yes. I I told her to come in the morning. I asked her to come over earlier because she was actually coming over that morning uh, for me to go to an appointment. Um, She was coming over to watch my daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I asked her if she could come over a little bit earlier. And um, it was another thumbs up because at that point she knew I had gotten the results. She knew um, I was questioning Mm -hmm. this this high Jewish percentage. Mm -hmm. Um, And and she came over and, um, you know, sat down and and I I said to her, I said, mommy, he's, he's not my father, is he? Mm -hmm. And she started crying and she shook her head. No, she said, no. Oh, wow. What a moment that must have been. Oh gosh. It was just, and, and, and at that moment is when everything kind of came crashing down Mm -hmm. your, your entire Mm -hmm. sense of, of identity just. Mm -hmm completely crumbled. And mm-hmm. I, 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 mommy, what, who, who, what happened? What, what, <laughs> why didn't you tell me what, what's going mm-hmm. on? And, mm-hmm. you know, she said, daddy couldn't have children. So we used a sperm donor. Okay. So she just told you outright, just, she, she was honest. And, you know, she later told me she considered trying to you know, perpetuate it and say, no, the test must be wrong. But she, yeah. you know, she didn't, she, she told me. I'm glad that happens. Cause you know, I've heard other guests have told me that their parents act like they, they'll say they don't know, or they'll yep. deny it. And that just can create so much more confusion. It does. It does. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud of her for, for doing that, for saying it. Um, what was because, she told? Was, I'm sorry. Oh yeah. yeah go ahead. She, so they were told, um, to go home and have sex mm-hmm. after the insemination. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was bo- uh, conceived and born in 1982. They were not told specifically not to tell. Um, okay. you know, a lot of doctors were very adamant. Don't tell, don't tell, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Her doctor was, you know, did not say don't tell, but it was, it was implied. It was okay. go home, have sex. You know, this is your child. Gotcha. Maybe the donor, you know, semen will will, will uh, push your husband's sperm farther up. Which you know, I mean, at that mm-hmm. point, they knew my dad had pretty much no no functioning sperm. So mm. you know, it was it was a mm. not <laughs> not really possible. But they mm-hmm. yeah. they they wanted to try to to maintain a little bit of the deniability. Although you know, they didn't do the mixing. I know a lot of doctors at that time did mixing. As far as my mom knows, they didn't mix the sperm. They were just of the, the go home, have sex mentality. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. So that was, that was the, the, the secret. That was the 35 year secret that yeah. uh, my parents held on to. And were you, was your dad part of the conversation? No, he wasn't there. He wasn't there at the time. Um, okay. yeah, he was, um, not happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it to put it mildly, mm-hmm. um, very angry, very angry, and having a hard time 
coping with the, the fact that the truth was now out and he yes. probably, well, he just wasn't psychologically prepared to cope no. with it. And that's why that was something they didn't tell you. They didn't know how to talk about it. And my dad had had a mental breakdown earlier that year, several, several months before. So mm. things were already difficult with him. Um, okay. Yeah. between him and, and, and me and the rest of the family um, because of that. So mm-hmm. um, secrets tend to come out at, at, at bad times, oh, you know, don't they? They <laughs> really, do really do. You know, I had a, a year, a year and a half year old daughter, had a lot of other personal mm-hmm. um, things going on. And, and then this came, mm-hmm. came. In. So secrets are, are not good. <laughs> No secrets, secrets. Yeah. They definitely hurt families and they aren't hard. They aren't easy to keep. And so that's definitely why, you know, I wanted to get that word out is to be up open and upfront with your children about their conception because secrets are damaging. And like you said, it was a identity crisis for you. You thought you were something and then that completely changed in in an instant. Absolutely. And, And it's hard psychologically because part of our development in our teenage years is to form our identity, to figure out who we are. And part of that is our genetic makeup because that makes us who we are in part. And so when we form ideas around information that's inaccurate, then that, that whole construct of who we are now that's is wrong. Now we have to rework that. And so here you are with a young mother and you're actually going through your identity development all over again. Exactly. That is exactly it. And and a lot of the kind of identity crises of the teenage years really and truly came back. I mean, every sure. kind mm-hmm. of aspect of your of who you are comes into question. Even things you really wouldn't think are necessarily related to parentage or your genetic genetic makeup. I mean, I was mm-hmm. questioning my sexuality. I was questioning, you know, the food I was eating, I went vegetarian and I mean, Mm -hmm. all these things just about who I am and the path my life is on were really called into question. It it hits you at a, such a fundamental level that's hard to conceptualize of before it actually happens. Yeah. The way I describe it is that when, as we're growing, you know, we, we develop in a kind of bottom up way, you know, so we have our foundation and then we, we build layers like building a house on top of that foundation and our identity development is something that happens. You know, there's a big, a lot of work around adolescence, like I mentioned, but it happens along the way, even from when you're little. And so when that changes, it's like someone is pulling out the foundation of your, of who you are. And so everything else can kind of crumble with it for a while you know, temporarily. Yeah. It, it hit me one, one moment when my daughter was about two years old, two, two and a half years old. And my, my in-laws were visiting and my daughter was asking me like the same question over and over again. Mm-hmm. And my mother-in-law said to me, cause she's, she's testing you, you know, she's, yeah. she's asking you the same thing again to see if you'll answer her the same way. Absolutely. They do that. And, Kids do that and, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I had this like moment where I thought, oh my goodness, that is what I lost out of this. I am that yes. little two-year-old looking to my caregivers for confirmation of mm-hmm. what I see in the world, mm-hmm. who I am, mm-hmm. looking for that foundation of trust. And that's the level that was mm-hmm. was taken away in all of mm-hmm. this, that level of trust. Mm-hmm. And that that you know that's that right. transcends any 
any anger or, you know, resentment or anything that, that anyone has toward, toward their parents for, for keeping these secrets. It's like, you can, can forgive and love and, but yet still have this, this fundamental brokenness that occurs from it. You know? The lack of trust, the right. lack of trust that can right. perpetuate. Yeah. Exactly. If you can't trust your caregivers, the, you know, it's hard to, you know, build trust in, in others. If yeah. you can't trust that what they told you, the basics of who you thought you were aren't true and they misled you over and over. Cause you asked that question over and over too. And you got the same answer over yes. and over and over. And yes. so then you wonder if people tell me, even if I ask them many times, are they telling me the truth? You know, when someone, when someone you care about and love so much can be dishonest that many times, um, it is hard to, it's hard to understand. You know, I, I had, you know, we've had other clients um, and guests on that talk about their parents that almost denied it to themselves. So yes. I, it doesn't sound like your mom did this, but some parents do deny the information to themselves. So they lock it up somewhere in a box. I don't know. I don't have that box, but <laughs> apparently some people <laughs> do. But they lock it up in a box somewhere and they throw away the key and they literally lie to themselves. Yes. And my mother ended up going there. She, she reverted. That's, that's been difficult as well. Um, you know, because my, my dad, my dad was, was there. My dad, um, kind of pulled her backwards. Um, and so, so that's been difficult the last, the last year or so. My mom was pretty good about it for, for a year, year and a half or so. And then it kind of, kind of started to crumble, which is, which is why it, mm. it's so destructive because it doesn't really go away mm-hmm. and, and they want it to, you know, and I'm very glad that neither of my parents denied it to that extent, you know, um, mm-hmm. to the point where they were not willing to even say that it happened, you know, because I do in, in the community, we see a lot of parents who really and truly will not say that that they even went through with it, you know, we'll mm. completely pretend that it didn't happen. But, mm. um, you know, wow. my, my mom, you know, when she first told me it was, it was a weight off of her shoulders. You could see it immediately. My mom is mm-hmm. a terrible liar. You know, she's, I just shared a, a meme recently. It was like Italian girls. If, 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 you know, our words don't say it, our faces will, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of, that's kind of my mom, you know, she's not a good liar. She'll, she'll, her face will, will, you know, show how she's actually feeling. Um, so I could tell after she told me that this was a huge weight off her shoulder. She, she truly felt guilty for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And looking back, you know, they truly become like flashbacks um, of moments throughout your life where there was a look, there was a, a, a phrase spoken, something where you questioned it. And now looking back, it makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I look enough like my dad. Um, ba- basically, I have, a, I have a long face and my dad has a long face. Okay. So... I'm, I'm darker like my mom, but, um, people would always say I looked like my dad because that, that face shape kind of hits you right away, you know, but my dad, when he was young, was very, very blonde, very blonde haired, blue eyed. And so I remember looking at pictures of my dad when he was younger and being like, wow, I don't, 
really look that much like him when he was younger, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but you look more like him now, you know, or thing, mm-hmm. things of that nature where you realize, oh, and, and remembering the kind of look she had on her face and things, things like that. Um, it's, it's upsetting to, to kind of look back on. So, you know, it's, it's, it, there was a lot of, a lot of guilt. And my mom mm-hmm. is a very, very good person. She was a very extremely caring person, extremely loving mother. I mean, really mom material. She's born mm-hmm. to be a mother, just a mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful person. So she, I believe, knew that this was not good. She, I believe, harbored guilt over this and her conscience kind of ate away at her. Mm-hmm. My dad okay. is, is, is more narcissistic, as I'm coming to, to realize. And I think, you know, there's an emotional abuse history there, you know, between my parents and, you know, also, also with me, but um, I think he really was able to, to get her to believe that, to fall back into, into the place of denial. Because while I was able to get a lot of answers from my mom in the beginning, and she was so happy for me when I connected with with siblings and when I connected with my biological father. Um, as time went by, it was I'd have the discussion with her again, and she'd make comments that seemed odd, you know, that seemed inconsistent with her character, kind of going backwards. If I didn't talk to her about it for a couple months, and then we talked about it again it would be like, I'd have to explain again what was going on. You know, like she would kind of forget. Maybe blocking it out or... Exactly. Forget kind of blocking out the progress that we'd made. Um, And, and, you know, it it, it ended up coming to a head, um, you know, within the last year where it it quite frankly got got abusive. And and a lot of the things that my dad had had said to me about it um, were coming out of her mouth. Um, and which was heartbreaking because they were things my, my mother would never say to me, um, but which my dad would, but, um, mm-hmm. I've, I was only able to speak, uh, to my dad about it one time. Okay. What did he say? It was difficult. You know, um, he, he was not in a good place mentally when I first found out. So mm-hmm. I had to wait, um, you know, I sent him something immediately. I sent him a little card saying I would always be his daughter. And, you know, my daughter, he'd he'd always be pop-pop to my, my daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. she didn't, he didn't respond. He never, never acknowledged. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, I had to wait a few months before he was in a better frame of mind in general, Mm -hmm. before I, 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 scheduled a, like a lunch date with him, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, I told my mom, I said, mommy, I really want to talk to daddy about it. I want to reassure him. I want to do the whole daddy, you're my daddy, no matter what I want to, I want to talk mm-hmm. to him about, it. I want to be open with him. And how you took responsibility is so interesting too, you know, that you felt like you needed to comfort him. Absolutely. And the thing too, is, you know, I was very 
very close with my my grandparents, especially my mother's parents. They they passed away only only recently, you know, um, pr- prior to the discovery. But um, okay. but I I loved my dad's parents as well, and and none of them knew, and okay. that that haunts me greatly. Um, I I worked in senior care. I love. I have such a love for for the older generation, that connection, and it it kills me that that they didn't know that they were lied to by their own children. Mm-hmm. Um, that that is something that I feel guilty about. I mean, too. not that mm-hmm. I not that I did anything. No, you, know, you but... didn't. Yeah. And do you feel like that was something that would? Did, I mean, at the end of the day, does it matter? You know that they didn't know because you right. they loved you just the same. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I know they would have. You know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I've I've been able to 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 kind of to to cope with it, but it's something mm-hmm. that kind of haunts me. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into this discussion with my dad, one of the things I wanted was I wanted to be more honest with with my parents than than they were with their parents. You know, I wanted to to have okay. a little okay. bit of transparency. You know, um, and mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I scheduled this date with my dad, and you know, he, he knew what was coming, and and you know, we talked. He probably about it wasn't and, excited about that, was he? He was not. He did no, not want to no. have that conversation. I'm guessing, but you no, forced it. You know, you you were you said we're going to have this, and whether you don't, whether it's uncomfortable or not, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and and it sounds like something maybe you needed too for yourself. It is, yeah, it is because you know the the day I found out. I wanted a hug from my daddy. Sure I wanted a hug from my daddy and I, I never got it. Because you're, you're a little girl. You're the girl still. And, and you know, you, you want to be reassured that you're loved to the same, even though you're not biologically related. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. For all the complications of our relationship, we were still, still fairly close. And that's, I was, I was, as clo- you know, as close as to my dad as I could be given his, his personality and his, um, his, sure. his, his mental too, state. Yeah. Exactly. His challenges. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, I sat down with my dad and, you know, I, the most accusatory I got towards him was this has been hard. And, you know, mm-hmm. I wish, I wish I had known earlier because mm-hmm. I was, I'm, a, I'm afraid of, you know, quite frankly, I'm afraid of my dad, you know? Um, sure. I, if he's got, yeah, if he's got the, the tendencies that you mentioned, but if that's, if that's true, then yeah, it's, your yeah. fear is, is legitimate. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I explained that it was difficult and, um, you know, and I also wanted to know his his perspective as far as what mm-hmm. what they went through when it occurred because mm-hmm. I talked to my mom extensively about you know pricing and you know inseminations and all kinds of good stuff like that you know we mm-hmm. had gone through that whole that whole thing um, so I wanted to know from his perspective what what he went through you know and the the phrase he repeated most through our discussion was it wasn't a lie because you weren't supposed to find out. Mm. over and over. That was the main point that mm. he wanted to drill in. You know, that doesn't and make sense, does it? No, no. Could you imagine mm-hmm. saying that if, if you had an affair, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like well, it wasn't yeah. really an affair because you weren't supposed to find out about it. You know, um, yeah. you know yeah. another thing was, you know, well, I don't think about being Dutch every day. Why do you have to think about being Jewish every day? I mean, you know, this was five months or so into my discovery. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah so he didn't wasn't able to relate and it was sort of almost like it was more seeing it from his point of view than from exactly. your point of view yeah so it was like 
I don't want you as a parent to, to be bothered by this because it was a decision that we made. So since I don't want you to be bothered, I'm going to kind of place my own intentions on you. To, you shouldn't be bothered instead of accepting where you were actually at. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it was very difficult. And I, you know, and I tried to explain the, the, you know, health implications and he, and he didn't comprehend at all. And mm-hmm. I mean, didn't comprehend at all that, mm-hmm. you know, there was lies about my medical history and stuff. I mean, just completely looked confused as if it didn't make any sense. And so mm-hmm. I, I didn't even continue to go there, but, you know, I told mm-hmm. him that I had found and met my biological father and that I wanted to let him know that. And he was, he was actually okay fine with that. He was like, Oh, you know, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that was, that was not his, his concern. He was, he was mad that I found out. Hmm. And when I, when I spoke to him about what it was like for him, I mean, I could see that was the, the one moment that he, that he cried during the discussion mm-hmm. was in, in recounting his own infertility. And mm-hmm. it, it was painful because obviously I, didn't want him to be in pain, to be sad. Um, but it was also sad in that, you know, thinking this was a discovery he had made almost 40 years ago mm-hmm. that he's upset about, mm-hmm. which uh, uh, you could still be upset 40 years later. Absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. I have utmost empathy for that, mm-hmm. but, but he hadn't resolved it. Yes. Yeah. There was, he hadn't resolved it. And that there was almost zero empathy for his daughter who was sitting in front of him Mm-hmm. who had known for like five months, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Stuck in his own grief or his own perspective, yeah. Exactly. And that was, that was kind of what I, what I got out of, out of the meeting. And again, I reassured him a million times, I'm your daughter, you're my daddy, no, you know, you are my daddy. And, mm-hmm. you know, and at the end, I, I, I apologized to him for, for not being someone in whom he could see his own face and his own features. And that hit me as well to, to apologize for, for me. So you're still taking responsibility at this point? In, in a sense, yes. You know, and not apologizing for, for finding out or for talking about it, but for, no, no. for existing, for being who I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the unfortunate part is that, the, you know, as a child, we look to our parents because we, we depend upon them to survive. And so we need their support and care. And so what happens is very common for both adoptees and donor-conceived people to feel like they need to protect their parents after the information yes. is found out or even if it's been known. Uh, and I encourage dialogue all along the way, and I encourage parents to keep talking about it throughout childhood and bring it up even if the child doesn't because children often won't bring it up even if they do know because they're afraid of hurting your feelings or they're afraid of pushing you away. They don't want those reactions that you got from your dad and mom. And it's really painful, very painful to get those reactions. And so when you're, you know, you're almost feeling rejected by your parents when you're the one who actually needs quite a bit of attending to at the moment, you can't get it because they're not ready to give it. So you're really at a loss. It's yeah. difficult. And, and as I said, my mom was very good at the beginning. And I, I think that's what ends up kind of wearing on these relationships is that for us as, you know, as late discovery, and this goes for, for people who find out that they're, you know, a parent is not a parent 
for any reason. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm part of many groups where, you know, people find out they're in the product of affairs and rapes and just misattributed parentage in, in other ways, or, you know, an older sister is really their mother, that, that type of family secret as well. And it's a similar, it's a similar dynamic where even if it's not an immediate, like, okay, you discovered the secret and you're kind of, you know, ostracized, it, it, it's almost like a gradual, um, the rest of the family gets tired of hearing about it or dealing with it because mm -hmm. it was their secret. They don't, you know, okay, it came to light. All right, let's forget about it again. Sure. They're just still not equipped to deal with it. Yeah. Yes. It's really counseling is, can really be helpful in those situations, you know, to be able to move forward. Exactly. And that's the problem is that a lot of times they're, they're not willing to seek counseling for, for this, for this issue. And mm -hmm. so we're doing a lot of the work, you know, I'm mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. so much of the work in processing mm -hmm. this, but my family mm -hmm. kind of gave up on wanting to, to continue processing it with yeah. me. You know, the last time I spoke with, with my mom, you know, she screamed, we didn't lie about your medical history. And, you know, this is like a year and a half after I found out after we'd been through, through all of this already yeah. a million times and after all the progress she's made. And I just said, I, I can't do this anymore. No. It's, it's, it's not about, about me being angry. It's about me saying like, just stop lying. Stop. You did, you did lie about my medical history. Just, just stop, mm. just stop. It's a denial. It's a deep, deep denial. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so it's, it's been, it's been very, it's hard. very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and to look back on, on your life. And that's what I, what I encourage, you know, with, with parents now. And we, we, you know, I talk a lot with parents now. I moderate a big, a big group for the whole triad, mm -hmm. you know, on, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And what you said is so significant about, you know, the, the kind of the, the weight that gets put on, on the children, you know, to, to not get that kind of reaction from their parents, you know, and a lot of parents now, are understanding that they need to be honest, you know, but we're saying, okay, honesty is, is step one. Mm -hmm. Openness is step two, yes. you know, yes. understanding is step three. Yes. It, it goes on, it goes on. There's so much transparency and, you know, and then contact with, with biological families mm -hmm. is, is even better. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much, so much that goes beyond even, even just the honesty, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't solve all the problems. And it's so hard to say, this is what it used to be like, because a lot of times parents understand that they're not doing the same things that, that our parents did. They're not making the same mm -hmm. huge mistakes that so they think it'll, it'll be fine. But some of the, the kind of underlying attitudes tend to be, you know, similar. They kind of, they take longer to, to wash away. Mm -hmm. And I, I told the, a lot of the, the parents that I, I talk with, you know, I, I made a post about this, but for my birthday, I, I did one of those Facebook fundraisers, you know, and the, the charity that I put up was for the, the NPE Friends Fellowship, which is, you know, NPE is, is non-parental event. So anyone finding out that their parent is not a, not a biological parent and, you know, charity that does work to help with DNA testing and travel arrangements and counseling and things for people who are going through this. And, you know, I, I put this up on Facebook and my dad, you know, laugh reacted it. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I had been like a breast cancer survivor, mm -hmm. you know, and could you imagine a parent yeah. like laugh reacting a breast cancer charity or something right. that you were trying to raise money for, especially when it's, it's something that they actively participated in. So I, I, I use that as like an example, like, okay, 
I know you guys, you know, 40 years from now are going to, to, to be doing that. I right. said, but like the, the kind of minimizing yeah. the importance or the significance of this aspect of your child's life, like any remnants of that, they just kind of compound okay. as the years go by. You know, I, I really want to have you back on the show. I want to have you back to talk about those layers that you mentioned and really kind of let's talk about what we can do to really kind of systematically unroll that for, for families. What does that look like? How does education happen? How can we improve upon that? Because I'm on the front end working with doctors and I can be part of that initiative. So thank you, Cassandra. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you would like to follow me for more content, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Jana Rupnow LPC. And you can also grab a copy of my book, Three Makes Baby, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and Target.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate it and share it with a friend if you like it. Have a great day.